1: people, I developed my relationship with Leave It to Beaver when I would stay home from school sick. It was comfort when I was feeling bad, and it would recur later on in my life as comfort when I needed it really badly. My first year of college, I would like to say that I was a shining star, but I was not. I was a poor student, and the freedom of college and all this new activity and all this new exposure really didn't inspire a great level of achievement. So at the end of the first semester of school, I was doing poorly enough that I was going to be going on what they called academic probation. So I knew I was doing poorly, and I had this information, and didn't know what to do with it. I didn't want to share it with anybody, so I bottled it up and was just miserable. I was having a hard time sleeping at night, all this stuff. And I was slipping through the channels on the TV, and Leave It to Beaver came on, and I was about to turn it off. But then I stopped, and... Everything on the screen sort of rolled over me like a warm blanket. For the two hours that they were showing Leave It to Beaver, I wasn't failing out of school. I wasn't going to have to break the news to anyone. I was eight years old again, sitting on a couch, blanket over me, ready to eat some chicken soup and drink some 7-Up. It made me feel better. I realized I had a semester to turn things around, and that's exactly what I did. Would I have come to that conclusion without Leave it to Beaver? Probably. I would hope so, but I'm not sure when it would have happened. And I'm glad that the show was there, because there is a lot of shows like Leave it to Beaver, perfect for their time, fairly well written, that are often just forgotten. But to some of us, they're comfort. They are a thing you could get lost in. And in my case, they helped me to clear my mind for a moment and to see a bigger picture. So I appreciate Leave it to Beaver for that and for every other thing it's given me over the years. So on today's show, I'm going to talk about Leave It to Beaver. We'll talk about the show's production. We'll talk about the cast, what happened to the show after its initial run, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us. So without further ado, let's start the show. Leave it to Beaver is a sitcom about a young boy named Theodore Cleaver and his family. The Beave was portrayed by Jerry Mathers, and the show also starred Hugh Beaumont and Barbara Billingsley as his parents, June and Ward Cleaver, and Tony Dow as his older brother Wally. The show originally ran on CBS from 1957 to 1958, and then moved to ABC from 1958 to 1963. The 50s were an important time for youth culture in America, and Leave it to Beaver came along at a perfect time, and was the first primetime sitcom to be written from a child's point of view. The show was created by Bob Mosher and Joe Connolly, who had worked on other early television shows and radio. They pulled inspiration for the show from experiences with their own children and what was happening currently in the 50s and 60s in America. Because of the contemporary nature of the show, there's a playful use of slang in the show, which seems really dated now. But if you were watching it at the time, it was words that kids were using. And if you check out the show, you'll see that they say things like crummy or gee whiz or I have a beef with this guy. This was all language that you would find in your neighborhood at the time. And if it wasn't in your neighborhood, you could count on it becoming a part of your neighborhood after your kids started watching Leave it to Beaver. There were other sitcoms that were similar to Leave it to Beaver, Father Knows Best, Ozzie and Harriet, shows like that. But those shows were from the point of view of the parents, and this is from the point of view of the kids. That doesn't mean that the parents were left out of the whole mix. In fact, some of the more interesting parts of Leave it to Beaver are when the parents are trying to come up with, say, a punishment for the kids, and and you see them debating what's the best way to raise these children of theirs. So in one way, it portrays an idyllic suburban America, one that very few people actually had, but at the same time was showing that there was some amount of work required for that idyllic suburban America. I'm sure if they were to do the show now, there would be a much darker tinge to how that idyllic world would be maintained. The show aired in 1957 as part of an anthology series by Heinz Studio 57, and it was called It's a Small World. That was one of the working titles for the show, along with Wally and the Beaver. The pilot looked good. People liked it. So the... People who were originally cast in some of the roles, namely Paul Sullivan and Casey Adams, who were cast as Ward and Wally, were replaced, and six months after it debuted on October 4th, 1957, as Leave It to Beaver. The first episode, which was actually the third episode in the production order, was called Beaver Gets Spelled. Now, the funny thing is that the original episode was supposed to be called Captain Jack, and that show would eventually get shown, but... It was delayed because the censors didn't want a toilet tank that was in the episode to be seen. Because at the time, you couldn't show a toilet tank. It was considered vulgar. When it would premiere, it would be the first TV episode in American TV history to display a toilet tank. Breaking barriers right out of the gate. Today's show is brought to you by a local candy store. Parents getting on your back for not cleaning your room? Older brother stole your catcher's mitt? Head to the candy store and eat your cares away.
0: Selling quality candy Is a really swinging biz Our candy is the sweetest thing Next to you, that is.
1: Of that candy store. The first two seasons of Leave It to Beaver were filmed at Republic Studios in CBS Studio Center in Studio City, L.A., California, and the next four seasons were shot at Universal Studios. The Cleaver House does not actually exist. It was shot on the back lots of those particular studios. When they filmed the show, because of the child stars, they could only film one episode per week. It took some pretty well-done scheduling to get even that done because kids could only work a certain amount of hours per day, so the adults would be hanging around to shoot their stuff after they had filmed all the kids' stuff. As I mentioned, they used language from the time period for the kids, and they would even throw in some cultural references, including the music of the time, sports, with Don Drysdale appearing in an episode, and even TV shows when they mentioned the Twilight Zone in the show. Oddly enough, for such a tumultuous time in politics, there is very little mention of anything political in the show, although in the episode Water Anyone, communism is mentioned, which was kind of a big deal in America at that time. So where is Leave It to Beaver supposed to take place? Well, it is in the fictitious community of Mayfield. The Cleavers lived in two houses during the series run and needed to move because the facade of the original house was on the studio they used in the first two seasons. Their new house, of course, was on the Universal backlot. Their first house was located at 485 Mapleton Drive, sometimes called Maple Drive, and their second home was at 211 Pine Street, This might not have been their very first house, because in episodes of Leave it to Beaver, Beaver refers to having lived in another house before the Mapleton Drive house. So the Pine Street house might have been their third house. It would have been cool if they actually showed the move on the show, but that never happened. In the second season ending, Ward tells the kids that the house has been sold, and then in the season three opener, they're already in their new house. I think there could have been some comic gold, probably some really great nostalgia if they had showed the move. Because it was on the Universal back lot, the Pine Street facade and the neighborhood around it was used in the 1955 Humphrey Bogart film The Desperate Hours. In the late 60s, it was reused for the television show Marcus Welby, M.D. In 1988, it was used for the movie The Burbs, a great movie. It was then pulled out again for the 1996 Leave it to Beaver movie, which we'll talk about later. And if you watch the TV show Desperate Housewives, the house and street where the Leave it to Beaver facade sits were used as the main exteriors for the show's Wisteria Lane. After these messages, we'll be right back. And
0: hey, where are you going?
1: Over to see my teacher, Miss Landers.
0: Going to school on Saturday? Boy, what did you goof up now?
1: Nothing. She's going to a wedding and she's giving me a job as her dog sitter.
0: Gee, Miss Landers, I never met a dog named Robespierre Pierre before. But that's a French name, Beaver.
1: <gasps> he sure barks an American. He's hungry. I'd better fix him something. But you'll get your wedding suit all dirty. Not with this.
0: Boy, that's pretty dog chow, But you eat your dog food. It makes neat eaters, too. None of the mess you get by mixing up canned food or scraps.
1: Can I give it to him? I want to be his favorite dog sitter. Of course.
0: Yes, Bieber, even dogs named Robespierre like Purina Dog Chow's crisp, chunky nuggets, honeycombed with rich, meaty flavor. Make your dog an eager eater with Purina Dog Chow. And how.
1: And now, back to the show. During this golden age of television, sponsors played a big role. The show would go on to be sponsored by Ralston Purina, General Electric, and Chrysler. Remington Rand was a potential sponsor of the show, but a humorous thing is that they balked at the title of Wally and the Beaver, which is probably good because they thought people would get confused into thinking it was a nature show. It was a very expensive show to make. Each episode was budgeted between thirty dollars and $40,000, and at least one episode cost $50,000. And this was mainly due to the building of the sets and often filming outdoors. Barbara Billingsley was cast as June Cleaver. Billingsley, born in 1915, passed away in 2010, American actress. Probably best known for playing June Cleaver, although she has a hilarious turn in the movie Airplane as a passenger who could speak jive. She was also the voice of Nanny on Muppet Babies from 84 to 91, for those of you who are fans of that cartoon. Hugh Beaumont played Ward Cleaver, born in 1909, passed away in 1982. In addition to being a actor and director, he was also a licensed Methodist preacher probably best known for his work on Leave it to Beaver, although he would have small roles on other TV shows after Leave it to Beaver, but then would retire from acting in the late 60s and start a Christmas tree farm in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Tony Dow played Wally, born in 1945, still out there today. After Leave it to Beaver, he would get small roles on other TV shows. While acting in the 70s, he also worked in the construction business. His most recent film was Dickie Roberts, former child star in 2003, but he also directs television. He directed an episode of Deep Space Nine in Season 7 called Field of Fire. If you look online, you can see that he's also a sculptor. You can see some of his sculptures. Pretty cool stuff. Jerry Mathers played Theodore Beaver Cleaver. It was hard for them to find the Beave when they were casting. They cast hundreds of kids, but they kept bringing back Jerry Mathers time and again, and he would eventually get the role. He's definitely best known for his work on Leave it to Beaver. I'm not sure who his manager was, but they were really bright because he was one of the first child actors to get a deal, which gave him a percentage of merchandising revenue on the show, and he still gets money from that 50 years later, so good on him. Jerry Mathers was a bit of a singer, and toward the end of Leave It to Beaver and afterwards, he played in bands and recorded some music. His band, Beaver and the Trappers, recorded for about four years, and they would play together in clubs in Southern California at the time. That's the main cast, but there were other great actors involved in the show. Eddie Haskell, played by Ken Osmond. Hubert Whitey Whitney, played by Stanley Fafara. Larry Mondello, played Rusty Stevens. Clarence Lumpy Rutherford, played by Frank Bank. And Violet Rutherford, played Veronica Cartwright. And there were many, many more talented people in front of the camera. Now, with a little bit more on Hugh Beaumont, is Vic Sage with another Why Should I Know This Person?
0: Hi friends, Vic Sage here with Why Should I Know This Person? And this time we are taking a look at legendary TV actor Hugh Beaumont. Eugene Hugh Beaumont was born in Lawrence, Kansas on February 16, 1909. Upon graduating from Baylor School in Chattanooga, Tennessee, he attended the University of Chattanooga where he played football. He left, however, when his position on the football team was changed. During this time, Beaumont was already performing in nightclubs, theater, and on radio. Hugh would later attend the University of Southern California, graduating with a Master of Theology degree in 1946. By this point, he had already appeared in 55 films, which were mostly B-pictures. In 1946, he starred alongside Alan Ladd and Veronica Lake in the Raymond chandler penned film noir feature The Blue Dahlia. Hugh stayed busy with numerous roles, playing small parts in films until the early 50s, where he started taking on more TV roles, appearing in the likes of Hopalong Cassidy, the Lone Ranger, Adventures of Superman, and The Public Defender. Before accepting what would be a 234-episode run on Leave it to Beaver, Beaumont appeared in the Universal Pictures release of The Mole People as Dr. Judd Bellaman and Night Passage, appearing in that film with James Stewart and Audie Murphy. Hugh Beaumont also wrote an episode of Leave it to Beaver entitled A Horse Named Nick and directed 23 episodes starting in 1960 through 1963. In the late 1960s, Hugh retired from show business and began a career as a Christmas tree farmer in Minnesota. In 1972, he had to slow down as he suffered a stroke. After the stroke, he was told by doctors he would never walk or talk again. But he recovered enough to direct and perform in some community theater work. This has been Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person, signing off until next time.
1: Thanks, Vic. Does this sound familiar? Leave it to Beaver.
0: Starring Barbara Billingsley. Hugh Beaumont. Tony Dow.
1: That is the theme music for Leave it to Beaver and is a orchestral rendition called The Toy Parade by David Kahn, Melvin Leonard, and Mort Green. The theme would change a little over time, mostly just the arrangement of it It would change in the third season where they would quicken the tempo. And in the final season, I got a little jazzy with it. There's a lot of music in the show, but that music was not made for the show. Instead, it was canned, usually from a library, and you'll hear it in other shows from the same time period. Now, I mentioned David Kahn, Melvin Leonard, and Mort Green were composers on the show. In later seasons, Pete Rugelow and Paul Smith would also come on as composers and would help to evolve that main theme song. The show did well, but it was moved around a lot. It would air on four different evenings on both CBS and ABC, Wednesday through Saturdays during the series run. CBS started off by having the show air on Fridays, and it was opposite Sabre of London on NBC and The Adventures of Rin Tin Tin on ABC. In March of '58, it was moved to Wednesdays at 8 p.m. and would be opposite Wagon Train on NBC. Kind of a big deal, Wagon Train. When CBS dropped it, ABC picked it up. And while at ABC, it would start at Thursdays at 7.30 p.m., and in the summer it would run at 9 p.m. in reruns. And then from October of 1959 to September 1962, the show was broadcast on Saturdays at 8.30 p.m and during the final season of the show, it would air on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m., so it was all over the place. And I said the show was fairly popular, but it never entered the top 30 television shows, but good enough that ABC, once CBS had dropped it, would continue to renew it year after year, even though the show was quite pricey. The series' final episode is called Family Scrapbook, and it was a sort of retrospective looking back at the show as the Cleavers go through an old scrapbook it's a huge milestone for the kids as well. Wally is getting ready to go off to college, and Beaver graduates grammar school and is headed to high school. It was one of the first sitcom episodes that was written just to be a series finale, so to wrap things up. Other shows had not been able to do that at this point. After these messages, we'll be right back. If you're poor and
0: can't love Place, you will learn the special... McDonald's is bringing back all your old favorites for a reunion. A Big Double Cheeseburger Reunion. It's great to be back! <laughs> We're reuniting a big taste of two all-beef patties. Ooh-wee. And golden melted cheese. My, that's a lovely double cheeseburger you're eating, Mrs. Cleaver. Thank you, Eddie. Together with a new large order of crisp, golden french fries. I love french food! So hurry, it's only for a limited time. <laughs> it's McDonald's Big Double Cheeseburger Reunion.
1: And now, back to the show. The show would receive two Emmy nominations in 1958. Sadly, it wouldn't win, but later on in the 80s, when nostalgia for these shows started to really kick into high gear, the people involved were given special awards. Mathers got the Young Artist's Former Child Star Special Award, and in 87, Osmond and Dow also received the award. During the show's run, Merchandise was generated for the kids' market. As I said, kid culture was huge, and maybe the people who were managing Mathers realized that at the time. Because merchandise for the show, including books, records, board games, came out later on in the 80s. There would be a resurgence of this sort of material, and Dow and Mathers even appeared together again in the 80s on a box of Corn Flakes. I don't collect Leave It to Beaver merchandise myself, but it looks like a pretty fun thing you can get in. There's a finite amount of stuff that you can start looking into. Comic books, little golden books, and three board games for kids that I know of. Now, I'm sure you can find other odds and ends, but it should make for a pretty manageable collection. In 1983, the telemovie Still the Beaver premiered. Most of the original cast, except for Hugh Beaumont and Stanley Fafara, My whole family were fans of Leave it to Beaver, so this was a big deal. We could not wait to watch it. It's a little sobering because we see an adult beaver as a single parent going back to his mom who's selling his childhood home. It's a whole coming-of-age thing and slightly depressing, but at the same time kind of reassuring in that Leave it to Beaver sort of way. Because Still the Beaver did well enough, the new Leave it to Beaver, a made-for-cable series, would premiere. I enjoyed the show myself. It's a great series, if you can track it down. I used to tape the show to watch it, and I swore I kept those tapes, but I've looked everywhere, and I cannot find them. Probably going to open a box one day. It's just going to be filled with Leave it to Beaver stuff. I will be thrilled. In 1997, a movie adaptation of the series starring Christopher McDonald as Ward, Janine Turner as June, Cameron Finley as Beaver, and Eric Von Detten as Wally premiered. I went and saw it in the theater. I didn't hate it, but it seems like a lot of other people did, and it didn't do too well at the box office. The film had about a $15 million budget, and although I hear mixed numbers, it probably earned somewhere between 11 and $12 million. So I guess it was kind of a flop. The show has been in syndication since the 1960s, I have been watching this show most of my life in that method. If you're flipping through the channels, you still might find it because it shows up from time to time. If you cannot wait, you can pick up this show on DVD. Shout Factory released a complete series box set. And if you want more of a sampler, in the beginning of 2012, they released a best-of series called 20 Timeless Episodes that just might give you what you need without the expansive box set. Personally, I love the box set. Nowadays we live in what some people call a second golden age of scripted television, although we have quite a lot of reality television as well. It's hard to know what shows will be comforting. I've heard people talk about this a lot. They say sometimes it's the shows you don't have to think about too much, ones that are simply written. I kind of disagree with that. I think it has to do a lot with likable characters, familiar settings, situations you can relate to. And I think the intersection of well-written and comfort is a sort of sweet spot for television because there's a lot of shows I've watched when they were on, and then in syndication, I never watched them again. I bet you there are people out there trying to figure out what will give a show longevity. If they are doing so, I suggest they use Leave it to Beaver as one of their examples, study the show, try to figure out what it is that brings people back again and again. If you're listening to this and you're not one of those people who comes back to the show again and again, please give it another chance. Watch the first few seasons, DVR it if you find it on TV, maybe pick up the Timeless Episodes collection and try to immerse yourself in that world. Don't take it too seriously. Fall in love with these characters because you never know when you're going to need this kind of comfort television and how it might help you get through a difficult time. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another great Why Should I Know This Person? If you have feedback for Vic, you can email him at vicsage at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. live in an interesting, that is a loud airplane. Wow. This has been a Retroist production.
0: Goodbye.